Hi, we are doing a quick segment about Dark Mouse, The Climb and Other Tales, a project currently on Kickstarter that is going to end on May 5th. It is a wonderful story created by Nathaniel Osoyo, and he's poured a lot of love into this book. It is Dark Mouse, The Climb and Other Tales on Kickstarter. It's also under projects we love on Kickstarter, so usually on the front of the Kickstarter page. Congratulations to Nathaniel. Hello, all you sexy listeners. We have a huge announcement. For the first time ever, all the hosts of Yes, a Stripper podcast will be doing a live show on May 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our hosts will be doing performances, there will be guest interviews, and you'll get to ask questions live on the air with our hosts. Tickets are donation-based, and you can find them on yesastripperpodcast.com. Please join us for the first ever All Hopra's Extravaganza. Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 151. We are your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Need one of those. I need one of those uh, mm-hmm. uh, cans that, that you take to sports festivals. Oh, oh, like the air horn things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go, the air horn. Oh, my they're God. Gugusellas, I think they're called. I don't remember. Are they really? called Gugus? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't what? do sports things. I don't sports either. <laughs> so, anyway, welcome <laughs> back, guys. Um, so uh, this episode is gonna is being recorded like like a few days before Latino Comics Expo. So yes. we'll be back with that cheese on the next episode. Yes, and I posted yeah. on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Come by our table and see us, and bring us all the good cheese men. Yeah, and, be- and I think you said me. and beer too, or something like that. It was funny. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. and join us for Laura de, de la Cervecita. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there because I have work, but also uh, it's about two weeks, two to three weeks out from finals, and shit mm-hmm. is going into like third gear for me, or whatever it is the saying <laughs> is. Um, uh, so, uh, I won't be there. So you are all obligated now to go and to one, get drunk and two, spill all the cheese, man, all the beans, all the tea, <laughs> todos los frijoles. Speak- <laughs> todos los frijoles. Speaking of frijoles, nah, just kidding. Speaking of cheese, man, we have some juicy chisme for Chisme de la Semana today, and I bring you that chisme today. So it turns out that Robert Pattinson is returning for the Batman sequel. The Batman is getting a sequel with Robert Pattinson set to return as Gotham Fiercest Defender. Warner Brothers revealed its plans in another Cape Crusader story during its Tuesday evening presentation at CinemaCon. I didn't know that was a thing, but it's a thing. The annual trade show for theater owners, uh, the Batman is going to be the director. Matt Reeves is going to do it again. He actually announced the news and he's to write and direct the follow up. Uh, but he did not provide any details on to what the movie will entail. So Batman, the Batman, which is available on HBO Max right now, is a 
three. Yeah. It's a three-hour movie, guys. Um, <laughs> Look, okay. Usually, I'm not one to defend a three-hour movie. I will defend this three-hour movie because I think it's that good, and I have now officially seen this movie four times. Oh my god! Oh my god, that's guys! Like, this is like crazy because she hours. hates Batman. Yes, I don't hate Batman. I just think everybody else is more interesting. Um, <laughs> you're catching me coming home directly from the comic book store where I was prepping the books for next week, where there were no less than five Batman titles, and I was like, "Why is this even?" freaking necessary <laughs> why can't we just have one batman title with a compelling story good writing good art why do i need all these and those are just the books with the batman in the title not to mention all the other freaking books that are in the dc universe that have they they pretend that it's about someone else but you open the book and there's freaking batman so i haven't even seen this movie yet i'm just salty about comic book batman that it's tainted my my cinema batman experience <laughs> that's fair um the thing that really sold me though is that um uh, this batman is an emo goth and he listens to nirvana when he's sad and i was just like okay that's it i'm <laughs> I'm in love with him. He's the emo <laughs> boy that I always had a crush on. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Um, just to let you guys know, the ticket sales uh, were the biggest opening weekend of 2022 during the pandemic era. So that's kind of interesting. Um, also, I really loved about this movie. I mean, I'm all about the emo Batman for sure because I love a man in eyeliner and you guys know that. <laughs> but what I really enjoyed about this movie was that there was absolutely no killing of the Waynes. We don't see the Waynes die mm -hmm. over and over again. There's not like a memory sequence. There's no like the beginning of the movie killing the Waynes off. So like I was really happy to. I mean, how many times do I have to see the Waynes die? I'm just I'm over it. So this All this was a pleasant time. surprise. And also <laughs> um, there was no training sequence, which I again appreciated. I'm like, how, I mean, look, I love a good, like, you know, training sequence as much as the next, but, you know, we need to propel the story. We already know that Batman trains a lot. So um, I really enjoyed that. I actually did not feel, it did not feel like a three hour movie for me. And I'm really excited to see what they do with the second movie. So I'm, I'm excited about that, that, and um, I've already seen it three times. I saw it in Spanish and I really liked it as well. The dubbing was really well done. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. I, you know, I was the first saltiest person talking shit about Robert Pattinson being Batman. I remember, know? and that was so long ago. We were still at the round table in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, so many years ago. I mean, I was even talking <laughs> shit when he got COVID and it stopped production of the movie. I was all salty about it. But you know what? I'm a new convert. I liked it. I'm very excited. I'm not going to be out there like parading like, yes, this is my Batman because, you know, Christian Bale is still my Batman. But I really, really like this Batman. I really, really like the story. I loved how it gave me like, you guys remember the movie Seven with uh, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt? Oh, it gave me the Seven vibes. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> so wow, not even Michael Keaton, Batman. Fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Mom is my Batman. 
<laughs> Mr. Mom is my best. I like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's super exciting. I all I know right now is that a lot of social media uh, outlets, a lot of like um, geek websites out there, are saying that they hope that they do not make the Joker the new villain of the second Batman. I think we're mm. too close to the you know um, to the Heath Ledger Batman, and even the Joker wasn't even like considered within the realm of Heath Ledger's Joker. So I think it'd be good for them to actually, a lot of people are saying, you know, you could use other villains, don't use the Joker right away. And as you guys know, there was like a cameo appearance of the Joker and there's a not so, um, not so secret deleted scene where the Joker comes, uh, comes out in a deleted scene from the Batman. So um, hopefully that's, um, that's not something they're considering. I hope they don't go the Joker route as well. Um, I love that eyeliner, though. That's my chisme. <laughs> All right, guys. Now it's time for On My Radar. What is on your radar, Kristen? So I know it's only April, but I have a Christmas story for you. Ooh. Aftershocks naughty list uh came out this week it released on 427 <clears throat> and it is a book that reimagines santa as a bitter immortal who has outlived his family and his name is nicholas Sinterklaas. so i read this book and basically nicholas is grew up way back in the 1800s uh maybe even before that but he is a family man and he is um a bleeding heart uh so when he goes into the village and he sees other children who he is just as poor as but they're begging and they're you know uh down on their luck and they're basically you know begging for food he feels really really bad for them and also he feels really bad for himself and his family because he is also poor and he's a hard worker just trying to make ends meet so one day, one evening, he's out in the field just thinking about all of the hardships that he sees. And he just sees a star in the sky and says, you know what? I wish I could just bring happiness to children. Just see a smile on their face. And um, next thing you know, he wakes up with this overwhelming compulsion to whittle toys out of wood and so much so that he his hands start bleeding and the next day they're completely miraculously healed up and before you know it as we know santa claus lore more and more stuff starts happening to kind of make him into the santa claus that we know uh he as he becomes uh, immortal, so he outlives his daughter, he outlives his wife, but as uh, basically humankind starts to spread and start to move out to other places, his travel starts to become an issue. And what do you know it? The star provides him with flying reindeer so that he can reach all of those places uh, in a super quick time. But he's just getting so overwhelmed that he can't do it all on his own. So of course, there are uh, little people who live outside of his village who are ostracized that he's like, you know what, um, come and work for me. I'll provide for you. And so there you have how the elves came to be. But he's just getting bitter because this is not anything he asked for. It's nothing that he wants. Um, and he also learns that all the children are not nice. 
Some of them are naughty. And so he starts to have moral issues with the fact that he's giving presents to some kids who don't even deserve it. Well, the star, he assumes it's the star, hears his uh, grievance and provides him with a machine that spits out a list of naughty and nice. And so basically he then can see who deserves presents and who doesn't. But he still is just like, you know, he's compelled to do it. He doesn't have a choice. He doesn't feel like he has a choice. Um, And here's where the story takes a turn. He comes into his bedroom one day to find that that machine that produces the naughty list is missing. (gasps) And not only is it missing, but the names that he knows he's seen on that list the people, because they're also, there's adults. It's not just children. There's also adults. The people that he's seen on the naughty list start ending up getting murdered. Oh, my and gosh. And so he now has to find out who stole the list and why and then decide, does he even want to do anything about it? So that is Aftershock's Naughty List uh, written by... Let's see, who is it written by? It is written by Nick Santora and illustrated by Lee Ferguson. And there are covers by um, by Frank Avia, who is uh, one of my favorite uh, cover artists. So um, I really enjoyed the first issue. And so if you haven't checked it out at your local comic shop, definitely give it um, a try. It is only on number one. I don't know how many issues it will uh, go forward, but um, I really enjoyed it. Well, that sounds really amazing. That really, I mean, they went through like this whole like scenario where he w- makes a <laughs> wish and then he like get goes into despair because like his family and and loved ones are all dying off and I mean wow like a roller coaster of emotions and then like this mystery about somebody stealing the naughty list machine yeah I'm I'm in like that needs to be on my pull <laughs> list for sure oh wow that's I, you know what I was like Christmas but now I'm freaking excited about it <laughs> it definitely sounds like um uh christmas gone noir kind of thing oh, yeah <laughs> uh, so that's really but either way like aftershock has really kind of been like like hitting it out of the park with like i don't think this is a horror necessarily but definitely mm-hmm. kind of like those like kind of um uh like like kind of like spooky like a... or like creepy like vibes kind of thing that um um like they like they have a pretty good line of, of that. Yeah. Thanks, Cullen Bud. Um. um <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it sounds really good. It sounds really um uh, like a. It sounds like a really fun concept. Yes, definitely. All right, guys. What team is it? Es la hora de la cervecita, and. <laughs> I have to tell you guys, it says two chicks. And I also have to tell you that I am not interested or excited about this whatsoever. But Sarah, you said you've been looking forward to us trying it. So that gives me some hope. But this is a vodka, elderflower, and pear cocktail. So not really cervecita, but it is a sparkling vodka fizz. And I do love the can art though. It's very, very like whimsical. I really like it. Becoming. Lots of flowers and pretty colors. Very like like ethereal feeling like the light colors that it's using 
Mm-hmm. So where did you find mm-hmm. this? I actually, yes, I actually had this um, vodka cocktail at oh. my cousin's house. Um, she let, said, hey, hey, you know what? Try this. And I tried it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is actually really delicious. And she's like, yeah, it's it's accompanied by two ladies, two females. That's why it's called two chicks. And I was like, oh, shit. OK, well, you know what? Like, I need to I need to review this on the podcast because it's two female entrepreneurs that have created this two, That's two cool. chicks brand. And so um, I uh, she told me you have to go to Sam's because it's on sale. So I went to Sam's and I got like a case, a case. of 12 or 24. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, dang. Okay. 24. And um, but but no, like I kept it in stock and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep these three cans for the ladies, you know, so we can review. But then like I took them to the cemetery and they had some there and actually they just got whittled down. And then I only had one can, which I gave to Jen. And then I had to go <laughs> on a hunt because they sold out. They, they sold La out misma canción as my grandmother would say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have Same been guilty. Long dance. Yes, I have been guilty of that. And so um, um, I went to Ralph's and I went to like the local craft beer places and none of them had it. And that's disappointing. So um, I, I text my cousin and so I ended up not at Venmo, but at like that other place, the oh, wine yes, uh-huh. and more or something. Anyway, they had it there. They had it there, and I got one box of four, and so I was able to give Kristen hers, and now I have mine. Um, but yes, I was really impressed with the taste, and I wanted to review it because it's two ladies, like I said. Um, this is the, this is the like she said, elder elderflower and pear vodka cocktail. Uh, it has a fragrant. It's fragrant with flavors of lush, juicy pear. This refreshing, elegant cocktail is paired with a silky, smooth vodka. The final hint is a velvety elderflower blossom leaves, an aromatic kiss to the palate. This cocktail defines relaxation. So I think we should open it. Yes. And the the other reason I decided to get this is because we're always doing beer, but occasionally I think we should like throw in different different stuff. Smells really good. Alcohols. All right. Let's do soju next time. I want to get (laughs) (laughs) so apparently this brand is um, made from real premium spirits, all natural fruits and botanicals at a 5% alcohol, high quality cocktails anywhere, anytime, gluten free and vegan friendly. Uh, The factory is in process. uh, I've been contemplating. I can smell the pear. I've been contemplating eating more vegan type foods so i'm in (laughs) yeah well the smell itself when you initially open the can there's a lot of very like flowers i don't smell the flowers but i smell the pear like super strong yeah Mm. i smell the i smell the pear so what do you guys think so far it's it's very flavorful one of the reasons i don't like spritzers is, um, is the reason why a lot of people don't like La Croix. It's because it just has a hint of flavor. There's not a lot of flavor in them. Or they taste like diet drinks, kind of. Um, and this doesn't taste like mm-hmm. any of that. It's super flavorful. It's sweet, but not overly sweet. And um, I can't taste the alcohol at all. Thank goodness it's only 5% because this would be dangerous if it was anything more. 
It tastes oh, like yeah, it tastes like juice. It does. <laughs> it tastes like But juice. it doesn't taste like Yeah, but it's not like super sweet. So like you don't get like that orange juice feel or like the mango juice feel. It's mm-hmm. like nice and like muted kind of like sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. So the CEO is Linda and she's the businesswoman who has inspired who was inspired by Megan's passion and love uh, to inclusive n- nature of the brand. And then Megan is the founder and daughter of two moms and mother of two daughters and one of and one of two sisters and the ins- and the inspirational chick. So this is really amazing. And they do have they? other flavors too. This is oh, just the wow. only one that I found. Yes, they do. Okay. So yeah, I definitely like I said, I wasn't looking forward to it and I was like, why is Sarah giving us this? I didn't know you had already tried it. <laughs> um but I like it, and I'm very interested to know what other flavors they have. Um, and you found it at Sam's, yeah, same. and this one you found at Wine and More. You said, "Yes, Wine and More." And you know, I totally forgot. Like in my route, there was a Bevmo, but I totally forgot about it. But I should have stopped by Be- Bevmo. But I'm sure they okay. do. And they I see it's actually it from Bevmo, Canada, so they've, for being um, a small entrepreneur. Uh, Endeavor, they're already exporting to another country. Exactly. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff, like, let's say you go to the beach and you can take, like, a four-pack of this and you can have a really good time, like, soaking in the sun and the waves. I just want a four-pack sitting in front of my TV watching trashy reality shows. Oh, oh my god, for sure. <laughs> Look, this is the drink that you drink when you don't have any wine or you're not feeling wine, uh, but you also don't want to do like shots of something. Yeah. Harder. Um, uh, this is this is what that this is what that is. This is definitely wine o'clock kind of. Drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, or even when you don't, you want to get something to drink, but you don't want to feel bloated from mm-hmm. like a beer. Mm-hmm. This is definitely the drink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a beer lover, but this is something that I can really get behind. I mean, this is something that is just super relaxing. The flavors are obviously there. And, you know, I'm not a gluten-free person, but I'm grateful that it is gluten-free because now there's options for people who want to, like, make healthier choices. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I was like... (laughs) I used to make fun of, like, White Claws and stuff like that until I actually started drinking them. And then I was just like... Oh shit, the slaps. Uh, and after enough white claws, you can get drunk. <laughs> I'm so, not too like, I'm not a fan of white claws. Trulies I'm okay about. I tried them and I think I like them better than white claw, but I mean I'm not against white claw, but it just didn't have a lot of flavor to me. But this is like super good. This two chicks stuff is good. Do you happen to know what some of the other yeah, flavors are, Sarah? I don't. I was just focusing on this one, but they have like I would gather maybe like at least six more flavors wow. out there. Uh, but yeah, let me see. If I, I know can I was look just looking up. right now to see if I could see yeah. anything, because um, I definitely would like to. This would be something that I could just have in the refrigerator for a nice, cool summer uh, cocktail. Yeah, definitely. It's a very casual oh, yeah. drink, and like it's only five percent ABV, so it's like you're not 
you're not like really getting anything from this until like you're like maybe three cans in. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, or maybe that's why it comes. Maybe that's why it comes in a four pack. But you know, I would I would go as far as to pouring this into like a nice wine glass and throwing in some like raspberries. Oh in there, yeah, like yeah. I was even thinking you could maybe give it oh, make yeah. a mimosa. Or a mimosa. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's really good. Okay. Like um, oh yeah. Go ahead. You definitely taste the pear. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say you definitely taste the pear, and I don't know what an elderflower is. Me either. Um, um, I've probably had it in some kind of tea, but I'm guessing it's whatever the second flavor it is that I'm getting once I finish drinking mm-hmm. it. That's uh, really like floral, but not super perfumey. It's it's good. Like okay, it. so for those of you interested, mm-hmm. I am on their website, which is twochickscocktails.com, and they have a sparkling citrus margarita, which is a tequila, lemon, and lime cocktail. They have the one that we just tried. Mm. We They have a sparkling paloma, which is tequila grapefruit cocktail. Ooh. They have a sparkling vodka QT, which is vodka with peach, cucumber tea, and thyme. Then they have I want that one. Vodka, lemon, strawberry, and basil, which is their sparkling lemon strawberry kiss. They have sparkling new fashioned, which is a play on the old fashioned drink, which is whiskey, spicy ginger, and orange. And then they have vodka, cranberry, and lime cocktail. Uh, they even have a oh I love gin. They have gin, apple, and cucumber. Uh, and then that's it. Those all sound amazing. Oh my god! If they're anything like this one, I'm in. I'm like a new. Me fan too. For sure. Like I could have these. Have these in the refrigerator. I want to try them all. I want to try that new fashion one, and then mail it to Yair. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to think. What was it? Your cousin. Yes, my cousin Jessica, she recommended it. Thank your cousin Jessica for turning you on to it so that you could share it with us and for um, making me eat my words. <laughs> I always love that when I turn you <laughs> onto something new. But yeah, no, yeah, so no it's and I, the can art is fire, like for sure. Like it's so beautiful. It this can in particular gives me like um, Alice in Wonderland vibes. Yes, sure. yeah, that yeah. is accurate, right there. Very accurate. Yeah, and it's a slim can. It almost looks like a Red Bull. Um, and yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I, I am not a, a Ciroc or a. Those fizzy drinks, what are they called? You said uh, Smirnoff those Ice. Other ones? Not, <laughs> not that either. I don't like that. Not any of those. Like uh, what were the Trulies and those? I'm not. Oh, into Truly that at all. and White Claw. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't into that at all. But like my my cousin was like, "Sister, you try it, try it, try it." And I tried it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Now I want to drink all four of your cans. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um. I, I'm, you know, like, like, I don't like that. And when I tried this one, I was like, really surprised. And I was like, wow, they really, they really like punch, like flavor right in your mouth. And it's but it's really like, delicate and very nice and very, very refreshing. Mm-hmm. So are we ready to rate it? Yes. Yeah. We're still without a official rating system. So <laughs> we have a, a rating system, which is uh, one to five, with a six out of five being a super saiyan, because I think we're sticking with that. Yeah. But um, 
every time we come, it's weekly. I'm like, oh, we got to do it. And then the week passes. <laughs> we never do. <laughs> one day. One day we'll come up with a But it doesn't episode. matter because, yes. Because I definitely am going to give this a Super Saiyan because that's how good I how much I like it and how good I think it is. Um, so, so flavorful. Like, I actually can't wait to share it with more people. You know what? I'm so glad you say that because I was like, let's throw out the rating system because it's going to be Super Saiyan for me too. What about you? <laughs> well, I'm going to go with a 5 out of 5. Nah, I, I liked mm. it. I enjoyed it. But I've kind of been drinking some drinks like this. Um, I remember, I think it was Eddie who told who like one day like gave me um, a, a Moscow meal. Oh, one. yeah. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. love those. Like those are so like anytime I mm-hmm. see them when I go to Safeway, I'm like, I'm just gonna take a four pack for myself. Oh, uh huh. He buys them all the time too. Yeah, they're really, really good. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, and so mm-hmm. this kind of reminds me of that. And so it's good. I like it. I'm. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting, but I, it was it was good. So, but I wasn't like super blown away like you guys were. So <laughs> it's a it's still a five. <laughs> I mean, out of five, five out of five is solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that has been our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing a book that um, really sparked my interest. Uh, it's well, I'm trying to find my book right here. I think it was Lovers and Diamonds. Yeah, Iranian uh, love stories. Iranian love stories. Iran, yeah, Iranian love stories. Okay. Um, well, my book is somewhere around here, but um, I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. this book. It was, um, uh, it was funny. It was sad. Um, uh, it was serious, uh, but it was very. I think above all else, it was very human. Yeah. Uh, too, uh, and definitely a very much a glimpse into a world that we don't really know, and a culture mm-hmm. that we are. That we like, we're not accustomed mm-hmm. to, and I think it's it's, I think the fact that it is about like love and like romance and couples and stuff like that, I think uh, that's what makes me like it and make me believe it mm-hmm. more uh, as well. Because for me, like stories, stories especially about areas that we don't know much about, when they're usually covered with like the subtext of, like these people are like wrong and they're like living a wrong life and stuff like that. So we have a very Western view of them. And I usually try to like separate like my own, like very Western mm-hmm. views from also like how we're like kind of these people are demonized by like Western civilization as well. And I'm aware of that. Um, um, but reading this, I like, I, I just, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, um, and I really like got to, like, because, uh, like, the Arab Spring and something, this is something that I was studying during my comparative literature uh, courses, like, um, uh, like, the Arab Spring, like, um, uh, like, uh, stuff like that, like, I, I mostly focused on literature and film uh, during that time, and anything that was popping up, and most of the stuff uh was either, like, one, it was, like, either funded by the government and stuff like that. Um, um, so there was that view of it and, like, what was able to be said and what was able to be done. Uh, and But a lot of it was also kind of old uh, as well because, like, 
the Arab Spring kind of, well, it kind of put things on pause for a bit, especially in that area of the world. But there was always talk about how it would possibly affect places like Iraq, Iran, uh, Syria, like the Middle East and stuff like that. Um, but we never really got to see that or like even hear much about it. Like, is the Arab Spring still happening? Is it still like, is it, it's, when you think about it, it's been a mm -hmm. while. Um, uh, so reading this, it just, it reminded me a lot of stuff that I had already kind of been studying as well. And, um, the stories in it were, were like, they were funny and they were lovely and a lot of them were like a little bit sad, a lot sad. So yeah. I, I really did enjoy this book. <clears throat> so when you, when you said, uh, this is Sarah, when you said you enjoyed the book, um, I, I don't know if I would you say the word enjoyed i would have to say i was like really freaking moved by this story and it's just just not just one story i mean it it is a couple of um journalists i mean those those are the main protagonists and they uh, go and interview a lot of people and their love stories and what information they had to share but not only that while they're telling these stories and they're be we're being narrated these love stories we also get a lot of words that we don't well i don't understand but on the side note they explain mm -hmm. to us what they are so not only am i able to learn about these people and how they're living their lives and how they're like oh my god i'm going to cry um <laughs> how they're trying to like persevere with their love in in a place where like the religion and the tradition is to have them um, marry somebody in an arranged marriage um, and not have them have any physical or even just just contact in the same room with the person they have an arranged marriage with or you know an a arrangement with the family and how like they're falling in love with these other people and they're not even able to even touch for months because they have no time to be actually alone somewhere to be intimate with each other and how like virginity plays a big role in this society where um, the parents when you get married they can demand a virginity test and if you're not a virgin you could even be executed like it's just so crazy and um, it just makes me feel how really lucky I am and how I take it for granted that I'm able to like do whatever with my partner with my husband and you know not I mean sure we're married and if we were married over there we could do whatever too but uh but what I'm saying is just like they they go through so much struggle for something that they could basically die for like they could be killed for this and I just thought it was just like really powerful storytelling Mm -hmm. And I'm going to stop before I get emotional. <laughs> uh, I think so it's something that is worth getting emotional The over. The writer is Jane, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, du, du, Ducard, Duchard, it's D-E-U, Duchard, yeah. Uh, and Deloopy is who I'm assuming is the, um, the artist. artist. And uh, this couple has gone to Iran and has <clears throat> the way they describe it on the back of the book um that this book is basically a series of vignettes based on the clandestine interviews that they um uh, conducted while they were in iran and when it uses the word clandestine they literally were like in the park 
they would be talking and then the police would come by and they would have to like disperse really quickly because it was two women and two men. And even just sitting in the park like that out in the open was an issue. And this couple, they weren't married, but they had on wedding rings to try to um, basically get away with being together in public because they didn't want to call attention to themselves. Um, but uh, it was super interesting to me. Um, there are uh, multiple stories of multiple women in here and couples that were being told. Um, I, don't, I didn't count them, but I, I kind of remember at least five uh, uh, stories that were being told. But as Sarah and Jen have already mentioned, some of them were in love. Some of them were just basically... Um, doing what it was that their family wanted to, them to do, even though um, there was no love involved. Some of them had already gotten married and didn't know the person. That's one of the the big things that stuck out to me is that they don't even really know these people. The families introduce uh, each other, them to each other and you kind of just have like 15 minutes uh, in a room to be like, hmm, I guess he's okay and that's it. Um, it was also super sobering to me uh, to also realize all of the things that I took for granted as a teenager in America where I could go and have sex in the back of a car in a cornfield and not have to worry about literally dying for it. Like, <laughs> seriously. Right. Uh, so um, that... Putting a new definition of how bad you want it. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing is that the people in this book are risking their lives the women are risking their lives to have sex to have that intimacy with somebody and then they also described how um they have sexual relations but they don't quote unquote go all the way which basically means they either perform or they have oral sex or they have anal sex because that is basically not losing virginity uh and for them, uh, religiously acceptable, acceptable. But if anyone else found out, could be something that they could, you know, get in trouble for. It was just, I think for me, you hear of this, I've heard of this kind of stuff. And I think that um, it was something that I just thought was like, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. Like it's freaking 2022. But I think Jen is is very spot on with saying that we tend to look at things with a very westernized um, mindset and to, to the people who live in that culture, it's just something that they're used to. And there was even a story in here of a woman who was like, I would rather live here than in America or in, I think it was France or Europe or wherever she was saying, um, because over there, women had to work and women had to, and, and she was, the way she viewed things was that in Iran where she was, that the men took care of her. Like the, the, the reason why all of these rules were in place was because women were so revered. And I found that very interesting, the way that her perspective was on that. But it was so interesting to me. And I also, as I was reading it, was like starting to get like mad, like angry that women are still treated like this, but then was like trying to also look at it at from their perspective like this is this is their culture this is their religion and like trying to really 
like separate the two. Um, but at the same time, you see that some of the women over there are just like, they're just, they don't feel like they can do anything different. They're just so, uh, like, beaten down like literally and figuratively that uh, and they talk one of the things I also enjoyed about the book is they talk a lot about the revolution that that, that they tried to um to basically make happen and that there was a, a vote and then people thought that the the uh the revolutionary was going to win but then they didn't and so they thought there was fraud and like a whole bunch of stuff going on um about the um history political history of Iran that I kind of knew a little bit about but not really I mean I would I was very young when all of that war was happening and I remember like songs on the radio like parodies of the Beach Boys song um Barbara Ann I remember as a kid singing bomb 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 Iran like I, like and at the time I didn't know what that meant or or what that what was going on but like reading this and putting it into context of what I remember growing up as a child um that that's what was happening over there so I just really there was a lot of different facets of the book that I enjoyed and that um I think I learned a lot about culturally uh, about um Iran and also politically uh in which I I honestly had no idea what I was going to read when I read this or when my, I mean, when we picked it up, but, um, I really did enjoy it, but also like you were saying, Sarah was very moved by it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And I know we're focusing because we're female and we're focusing like on the, on the things that the women are suffering and they're part of the story. But what I also got from the story is how pressured the man is, uh, as, as a potential husband, I mean, he has to like, he has to see if he's the kind of person that just refuses to have any sexual contact with the person he loves because he doesn't want to put her in danger. There's that stress. It's the stress that you, he cannot be an eligible match for anybody until he has an apartment and a car and, that and a degree education and a steady job and a degree and so all that is pressure on him and then when he does get married the wife uh, should not work so now he has to make sure he has a good job because he has to support his wife and the kids that they have and all this has to come from him because he can't put her to work because it's not it's frowned upon even if his wife has a degree um, they have to be content to just be housewives um, not to mention the pressure from the family like, let's say they can't have kids and now the family's like, you have to have kids, you have to have kids. When are we going to have grandsons? Like all these pressures on society, on the men as well as the women. I mean, they equally have like these horrible pressures and then they, they want and then in these stories and some of these love stories, they try to um, find a way to be together with not actually being together. Uh, I learned there's places you can get hymen reconstructions at a very high price with a doctor that will not tell on you or tattle on you. And then, you know, there's just so many different facets to everything like, you know, just uh, monitoring of their Internet, um, mass texting from government, uh, all these cameras, a, a people, neighbors that will um, that'll tell on you. I mean, it's just incredibly like stressful uh, how women 
give up their dreams because they could study they want to study to be lawyers and they're smart enough to do it but they they you know they're cut off because they can't be they can't be lawyers because nobody's going to hire them and you know all these dreams crushed it's just so i don't know it's just so overwhelming and it's so just like and it just out of all of that all i get is like they are so passionate about love you know like it's crazy like it's it's sort of like a flower growing uh through a crack in 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 concrete for me like i don't know it just it, it was just and the the images and the art were amazing like even the little images were like uh, they were telling you something like oh yeah like when the family all eyes are on you and then there's a lot of there's these like figures of people with heads mm -hmm. for eyes and I just thought like all that imagery was really really good in the propelling of the story it was just like the art was sensational I just was really amazed by this book I really did not expect to feel as much as I did reading this book and I felt so much and I had to take pauses <laughs> well, to finish it. Well, I like how you really romanticize uh, it about them being passionate about love. But at the end of the day, like one of the, the and I, I say character, but it's a real person who was interviewed. Like one of the men said, I'm just human. I want to fuck. Like that to me, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Like they're, they are kids who it's natural progression. It's the natural uh, human evolution of going through puberty and all these hormones and like to me like whatever love like they just want to like experience life and this regime is just like completely uh prohibiting that and it's just super super sad <laughs> mm -hmm. I know. And I was just like really like thrown aback uh, from those people that could have temporary marriages. I know. What the hell? Like that was. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, to me, so that's just. Definitely. That's so just the patriarchy utilizing the system for their, their own. I was telling that to Eddie this morning. I was like, yeah, all the the low life people. Let, I mean, the, that the people in, in power consider everyone else low life all of them they have to go live by the rules while these rich guys who are in control and making the rules are flying off to other countries and having sex with whoever they want to or being married and these temporary marriages can last freaking hours before they go on to the next one it's just another rule that they made for them to get around their rule and that's ridiculous yeah and i think what really uh, I think what the story that I liked the most was from the first couple that we see uh, who told us about um, uh, how they didn't go all the way, which I thought was mm -hmm. hilarious um, uh, because it reminded me of Mormons and the soaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, and like, I completely, I think, uh, I mean, Lord knows I fucked around a lot. Uh, and then I like, and then the pandemic hit and I couldn't. So. <laughs> I've chilled. I chilled out a bit. Um, uh, but um, the way that... Um, oh, I forget her name. But the, the the woman in that couple, in that from that first couple, she said... Uh, and I think what I... Uh, it's one that I... How she doesn't even... She doesn't believe in the mm -hmm. religion. She doesn't believe in any of it. Um, and how she says that uh, she, she would have if she wasn't under the mm -hmm. regime. 
um, uh, that she would have known what real Islam mm-hmm. is. And I think that is something that a lot of, especially the youth uh, over there, feel like. And and I just, uh, I just thought it was like so sad how they couldn't even they couldn't even know their own faith. Yeah. Um. Uh, through the harsh regime, through through this very like harsh um, um theocracy yeah there we go uh that was it was basically killing its own religion and i was just like well that's sad as shit <laughs> yeah and it's and it's not just men and women being together and having sex that is so like staunchly prohibited like there's no music in public uh one of the 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 actual journalist the uh woman was showing too much skin between the tops of her loafers and the bottoms of her pants and some random stranger on the street came up and denounced her in front of everybody and she had to hurry and go get socks before the police came to get her because she was literally showing the top of her foot uh, the skin on the top of her foot. And I was like, oh my god. I could not go to Iran because I couldn't wear chanclas. <laughs> oh no. Nope. Yeah. My my favorite story was the one um, where the couple was in an arranged marriage. And she actually um, wanted to study law. But she didn't stand up against her dad. And then uh, she felt like that was one of the moments in her life where... She was like, you know, I should have stood up for myself and had more courage against my dad. Um, But she has a good partnership with the man she married in an arranged marriage that she only talked to for like 15 minutes. Uh, But then it was kind of like it sucked because when they met the families, met each other for uh, consideration of an arranged marriage, um, they came to the house and she wasn't wearing um, a cover in her head and they they didn't say anything but once they got married the mom and the fam the mom's uh the husband's side of the family were like pressuring her to wear a head covering and she's like no i'm not gonna do it when we met i wasn't wearing one and they didn't say anything and all of a sudden now that we're married they expect me to do that that's i'm not i'm drawing the line here and so it took several months and a lot of argue with uh with her husband uh, he's like, well, why don't you just do it? It's just respectful. She goes, no, that's not who I am. That's not how we met. And you guys should respect my decision. Eventually, they, they did respect her decision. But it was um, two years. Time, um, Eventually, it was two years. <laughs> oh, it was two years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she says, I feel we, are, we have a good partnership. It's just that these little things, you know, that just kind of creep up every now and then, including whenever he, her husband's away, her his mother, like, just starts calling her nonstop to see what she's doing. What did you do today? What, what did, you know, like, all this stuff, like, where did you go? Oh Why my, didn't you I can't her? imagine like, all this stuff if my mother-in-law um, did that to me. <laughs> yeah, so I, that... <laughs> That was one of the ones I like. And she actually does have a job. Like, he permits her to work. She, um, I think she teaches English mm-hmm. in a private school. But they're not allowed to talk politics. And so, like, they're heavily under surveillance because they don't mm-hmm. want to get in trouble. So, it's just, it was just, like, really eye-opening. And really just eye-opening. as a, I want to just uh, check here as a reference for everybody who is listening to this, this book was published in 2021. 
So it isn't something that has happened a long time ago or, um, uh, you know, but this is actually originally was in French in 2016. So um, it's still, that's not that long ago. Not yeah, only that, yeah, um, the way that, because they were talking about the 2009, um, uh, like, protests, and I, like, vaguely recall this, because I remember it being on the news, but I was still, I was a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, and I was, like, just in, like, in ninth grade, yeah, I was in ninth grade when uh, that happened, but I have a vague recollection of, um, um, of those protests happening, um, and, like, the news and stuff like that. Um, and the people that they were interviewing, so they were interviewing them, I think, like, I didn't, the book was published, I think, in France, mm-hmm. uh, because it said it won the 2017 award, um, uh, for the French info, mm-hmm. like, comics or stuff like that. Uh, and I don't know how long it took them, like, or how long they were in Iran and collecting these stories and stuff like that, so it was even then, like, probably, like, 2015? I want to say that they want they were collecting the stories. So yeah, because a lot of the like there was one story they interviewed was one of the leaders of the of that movement of that green movement at his university and how he stopped because I think a friend of his was um uh, was mm-hmm. killed Neda killed. I think mm-hmm. and I had and I yeah. had vague memories of that name uh showing up as well because yeah the like her death was on the internet. Because they posted it. Because uh, there was, like, a lot of people, like, um, um, that recorded it because they killed her right in front of everybody. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. and that was, like, incredible. And how it said that he he was doing the interview and he was talking because he just didn't care anymore. He didn't care right. if he, like, lived or died. And I was just like, oh, that's so mm. sad. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> are we actually ra- ready to yeah. rate it? Yeah. Well, I was completely moved. I was so moved, in fact, that I could not finish reading it all straight through. It was just really emotional for me. Um, God, I'm emotional just thinking about it. And um, I'm going to give it uh, the whole panaderia. It was just something I wasn't expecting. The artwork was really amazing. Um, just a really, really, I just really, really love the art. Like that style, it was really well done. And it really propelled the story. I just was really super impressed and just super taken aback i was not i didn't know what to expect sincerely so it's gonna be the whole panaderia for me what about you guys so this is Kristen, and um i also just didn't know what to expect and was just very very um shocked at how much i enjoyed it and how much i learned uh and um definitely would recommend this to um Anybody uh, interested in reading kind of like documentarian uh, perspective of uh, life in Iran. So I also will give it the whole panaderia. I'm going to give this book and its couples the moment in a back alley that I hope that they get. (laughs) So they can like really just bang it out. Uh That's what I give them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, th- like, yeah, no, the whole panaderia. Um, um, 
this was a great book. I think if you ever have any like questions, one about like, you know, like Iranian youth and like beliefs and culture and stuff like that. I think this did a good job of capturing that. Um, I think if you ever want to know anything about um, uh, or have like been curious about, like, you know, like how some theocracies are work and like what life mm-hmm. is like under a regime. A lot, I think a lot of people... Uh, or who anybody who's who's read or liked Persepolis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, or Persopolis, I think this is a great follow up to uh, a kind of a reading like that. If you want something that's similar, um, so I I highly recommend this. Excellent. That has been our book review. All right, guys. Now it's time for in la libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have for you guys, and I'm pretty sure we've already covered him, but I want to cover it again because he's really close to his goal. Um, uh, Dark Mouse, The Climb, and Other Tales by Nathaniel Soyo. Um, uh, yep. And so he is almost there to the full uh, $5,000 awesome. goal. He's currently at $4,346 with 83 backers. And as of the recording of this episode, seven days to go. Um, please, please, please go out and support him. Uh, when he when we interviewed him for Dark Mouse and stuff like that, um, uh, it was it was an amazing idea. The artwork looks incredible. It's such it's it's really like a, a labor of love. Mm-hmm uh from nathaniel and i think that it 100 percent deserves uh all of our support so um if you uh just to give a quick recollection uh dark mouse is and i'm gonna read from the synopsis that we have right here uh it is let me read please welcome the one and only June Dagoon Alvarado to Dark Mouse Kickstarter. Uh, oh, wait, no. This is about the print, the, the exclusive print. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what is Dark Mouse? Dark Mouse is a gritty crime comic with mice. Uh, join this Kickstarter and join Dark Mouse, a disgruntled police officer with a chip on his <laughs> shoulder. Follow him through three shady adventures and meet devious villains in unfortunate circumstances at every turn. Find out how Dark Mouse deals with all of them in this new book. Dark Mouse is a creator-owned comic book character. Nathaniel started self-publishing in 2011. And since that time, he's released a number of comics, digital stories, and mini-zines featuring the rodent. The Kickstarter campaign will cover printing, production, and shipping expenses for the next book, an anthology called Dark Mouse, The Climb, and Other Tales. Um, so, the base pledge starts at $10.00. Uh, and you get the digital comic and your name in the comic. And then at $20, you get the printed copy of Dark Mouse the Climb. This is an anthology, so it's a book. Uh, like, it's a full book. Uh, and with the $20 one, you get the physical copy, you get the PDF, and you get your name in the book. And then at $30, uh, you get Dark Mouse um, uh, and the signed physical copy of the, of the book. And a signed physical copy of Point of View, Where Do You Want to Be? Which is another one of his works uh, that was first ever printed uh, by Cowhouse Press. And then it keeps going up from there. But please, please, please support Nathaniel. He's almost there. And his, his work with Dark Mouse is incredible. 
yes, it's awesome, amazing. We loved it. We actually have uh, an interview with him, uh, two interviews with him, right? Yeah, and then we yes. also reviewed um, Points of View. But the... Uh, and another one, wasn't there? Um, about the little ghosts? Yes. Yeah. Uh, gosh, what is it called? No. Where the monsters are? No. Oh, darn it. Uh, I, know. <laughs> I, I know. Shadows. Oh, yeah, uh, shadow, shadow people. Shadow people. Oh, shadow yes. people. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which actually had a really interesting uh thing to it so like if you had an app and you put your phone mm -hmm. over the pages like secret um yeah. images would appear there was a vr while you component the story, yeah. which i thought was amazing <laughs> vr component yes all right guys now it's time for juntos y fuertes Kristen, what do you have for us so today? if you do not know let me educate you april is sexual assault awareness <laughs> month um i know that every month is some month but i used to work in uh the uh nonprofit industry uh and i worked with sexual assault and domestic violence um organizations and so April was a big month for us we would do our big fundraiser and um, there is denim day uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and uh, today I was like I wonder if there's any like comic books or graphic novels um, around you know written around stories like this and I came across uh, a book called um, Priya's Shakti and Priya's Shakti was written back in 2015 by Ram Devanini. Um, he's an Indian-American documentary maker that's created uh, an, this awesome comic book with a rape survivor as its leading character fighting sexual violence. So Ram was in Delhi in 2012 um, during the aftermath, and maybe you remember this, when there was that horrific gang rape and murder of a 23-year-old student on a bus um, that shocked the world. Um, and what shocked Ram even more was the reaction of one police officer that he met amid the protests that followed, and the, this police officer officer said to him, you know, um, no good girl walks alone at night. So that's where his idea began when he realized that rape and sexual violence in India was a cultural issue and that it was backed by patriarchy, misogyny, and people's perceptions. Um, I think uh, Ram hit the nail on the head for how rape is perceived in uh, a lot of countries. Um, so he began to meet with gang rape survivors to learn about more, uh, more about their experiences. And after hearing so many terrifying stories, he came up with the idea of creating a comic and teamed up with illustrator Dan Goldman in New York to make this comic, Priya's Shakti. So the story follows a young woman who is raped, but with the help of two Hindu gods, she returns to her home and ends gender-based sexual violence in India. So the cool thing about this is this was written way back in 2015, but you can read it for free on Google Reads. Um, we'll share the link, but all you need to do is I just Googled Shar, uh, Priya Shakti and it came right up and it said, read now, entire book available. Uh, and But we'll put the link for you um, on um, 
under this episode so that you can get it uh, right away. But um, he's now joined up with street artists in Mumbai to create huge murals featuring scenes from this story. Um, and his target audiences are children starting from the ages of 10 to 12 all the way up to young adults because he believes that that's a very critical age in their lives. Um, and it's an attempt to just start the conversation with them. So Shar... Priya's Shakti. Um, you can Google it and we will share it and um, definitely something relevant during April Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Wow, that's that's really amazing. That's a, You're able to read that for free. I think that actually speaks a lot about how he wants mm-hmm. to spread the message. Um, that's amazing. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to Kat Fajardo. Kat Fajardo is the creator of Miss Ginses. Uh, it is uh, a, it's actually being published by Scholastic. And it's going to be available in both English and Spanish on May 3rd. So that's super exciting. And um, we're really excited. I actually... Uh, follow her on TikTok and saw her opening, unboxing her Spanish versions of Miss Quince, Miss Quinces, and I thought it was really, really cute. But um, I've also noticed that it's going to be available on Kindle Comixology, uh, hardcover for $24.99, and it's all av- also available paperback, and it's available also, I'm sure, at your local comic book shop and Amazon. Um, the description of the book is a rising uh, okay it's a description of the product is rising star cat fajardo's debut middle grade graphic novel about a girl who would rather do anything other than celebrate her quinceanera a funny and heartfelt coming-of-age story about na- navigating the expectations of family and cultural tradition um i am ready to read this book it, the cover is uh this girl with a dress on but she has like combat boots on and I thought i'm glad to hear cute. you say that you are ready to read it because i have three copies sitting in my car mm-hmm. right now for us to review so um <laughs> we are on the same wavelength <laughs> yes i'm so excited and it was just such a such a cute like how happy she was she's like probably nobody's gonna buy the spanish version but it was pretty much kind of a love letter Mm -hmm. to her family just to kind of like show them what she's doing and what she's working on and for them to actually comprehend it and i thought that was amazing and i was like man that just sounds like it's a book that i would love like my family to read like my aunts and uncles and dad and stuff like that so i'm really excited for her her book is coming out may 3rd so we're really excited uh saludos again to cat fajardo all right guys that brings us to the end of this episode where can they find us you can find everything you'd ever want or need to know about Comodacy Comics at comodacycomics.com where you can find all the links to our social media and also contact us through this handy dandy uh, page where you literally fill it out and it gets sent to our email and actually we have a couple waiting for us in our email that I saw and it's just been busy but people are actually using it so continue to do so but know that getting back to you may be a because <laughs> we're just so busy <laughs> well yeah i mean we have free comic book day coming up oh that's another place where you can find us you can find us at heidi Ho comics in santa monica at free comic book day when is it Kristen? may 7th may 12 7th to, we 12 will be- to 5 yes 
Excellent. We'll be there with other creators celebrating Free Comic Book Day. And also we will have conchas. So come on down. Bring yourself your little carton of milk. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to give you milk. Just going to give yes, you a Yes, this is one of concha. the only events that we can actually do the concha thing because well first of all some people uh stop letting food in even pre-covid but now with covid uh I, there's some mask things going on and uh eating inside is an issue but this is going to be an outside event and we are gonna have the conchas yes guys so Get excited. We'll see you there. Um, also, you can follow us on all social media platforms. Don't forget uh, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. Oh, God. I think all of them, guys. <laughs> yeah, and we're on YouTube. YouTube so follow us uh, if you want to see exclusive interviews uh, for people that we like. <laughs> I love that. Uh, all right, guys. So that has been the end of this episode. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>